Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 95. John and Wendy talk to Dawn Burke. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going, John? Wendy, I am outstanding. (laughs) I guess I'm well, very, very well. I'm also very excited (laughs) that this show comes out right before the last chat for 2019. We're, We're coming up on the end of the year. Last chat. Uh, last chance to talk with us in 2019. That's just, I'm not quite sure where the year went. I know I've said that several times this fall, but man, it's been flying. It has. I I always like this last chat. I know we, we've done it sometimes in December, sometimes in November based on the calendar and where the holidays yeah. fall. We were really fortunate that this year we were able to to do this December one. And we're also thankful that this show is being brought to us once again by our friends at Bonusly, who took For part sure. in that November chat. Talking about recognition yeah. then. The December, we're really going to just kind of recap the year. We'll talk about yep. what's been good and, and what are we looking forward to next year. Spoiler alert, we are going to make a really big announcement at the end of the <laughs> chat about the future of HR Social Hour that I'm very excited about. Wendy's laughing. I don't know if that's nervous or <laughs> what she's thinking. Nervous, but, but nervous we've got excited some, laughter. Um, excited yeah. laughter. Good. Yeah, you know, it's it's big. It's uh, not not to build up the hype too much, but yeah, I think it's going to blow people away a little bit. I think people are going to get really excited and uh, I can't wait to share. Well, we, we will do that. At, it's Christmas that time. Time. <laughs> <laughs> we will do it and then we will talk about it on the next episode a little bit yes. more in depth. Once once we've teaser, teaser, announced teaser. it there. No spoilers. In the meantime, there's there's no spoilers or no secrets here. I, I'm oh. very excited about tonight's guest. I had a chance to visit with Dawn at Work Human. We sat down at breakfast and visited for a bit and re- just loved our conversation. I've always appreciated what she's put out there in terms of her content and talking about her perspectives on what we do. So it was great to spend some time with her in Nashville and, and get to know her a little better. I'm going to stop gushing right now. I'm going to let you make the introduction. We will get started. Yes, I am so excited to welcome Dawn to the show tonight. She is the founder of Dawn Burke HR and is a senior consultant at Recruiting Toolbox. She is an HR leader, trainer, speaker, and writer specializing in new HR, engagement, and workplace culture. Her career has spanned the last 20 years, including serving as VP of People for award-winning technology company Daxo. As VP of People, Dawn was responsible for preserving the company culture recognized by Sherm and Fortune magazine as one of the 50 best small and medium workplaces. She is recognized as a top HR innovator and a highly rated speaker. She has spoken at LinkedIn Talent Connect, Sherm Talent, Sherm National, Disrupt HR, amongst others. She is creator of DawnHBurke.com and has been a contributor to a variety of national blogs, including Fistful of Talent, Work Human, Sherm, and Saba Software. Well, Don, welcome to the show tonight. Our first question oh is always, hey, what's in your glass? Okay. okay, first of all, first of all, you guys can't do that big buildup about exciting things coming in 2020 and then have me sitting here wondering <laughs> what it is. That's crazy, man. That is vague booking. I do not approve. I do not approve. It's all about and being and being sneaky and and giving away small hints and Santa's coming and saying. Based on how this conversation goes, Dawn, maybe we'll tell you once we're done recording. 
There I was going to say it must happen. All right. No, that's that sounds real exciting. Now I'm totally intrigued. So, you know, more to come on that. I know more to come on that. No, I'm doing really well. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So what was that first question? I was so just my brain was spinning <laughs> about that crazy teaser. Oh, what's in your glass? Well, tonight in my glass, since it is a social hour, I am drinking some Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's very measured. It is four liquid ounces. That's it. So I'm on the Mediterranean diet and they will only let me have four liquid ounces. So I saved it (laughs) for this very moment. Yeah. Today, my diet has been non-fat lattes and Powerade Zero. So, you know, hey. There we go. I, I have a well balanced with, drink with a cabinet. Yeah. There we that's, go. You got to end your day with a cab. That's that's a great way to end your day. I'll do I'll agree with that there one right there. Dawn, do liquid ounces are they different than solid ounces? You, I don't I don't you just know. fluid ounces and I'm like, is there some difference I don't understand? Is <laughs> you know, I just threw that in there because you know, I have an advanced degree in uh ouncery. So you need to know that. Do you believe there's a there's probably some sort of difference? I don't know. I don't know. I'm having four measured ounces, aka a half cup. There we go. Very good. Very good. Well, we're glad that you're having that little bit of liquid gold or cab in this case with us. So you know, Don, as I mentioned, we had a chance to visit and get to know each other a little bit earlier this year. You know knowing what you're doing now, but how exactly did you get your start in HR? And then what led you to leave the corporate world? Oh, wow. 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 Loaded question, brother. Loaded question. But, but, but here's, I think my story is a lot like everybody else's story. What got me into HR? Well, frankly, I was a theater geek. I, at first, I uh, graduated uh, as a theater with a theater degree. And you know, whenever you graduate with a theater degree, that means you become a retail manager. That's just what you're destined to do. So I was in retail management for probably about seven years and and frankly, really liked it. I liked a lot about retail management. I mean, there's a lot not to love, but the cool thing about retail management is the cream rises to the top very quickly. You know, if you if you do have a modicum of ambition, you can you can do pretty well in it. Um, but then, of course, you get burned out very quickly. So I was very deliberate in the types of things that I liked about retail management when I decided, hey, I need to look for something that's going to have a little bit more of a regular schedule. (laughs) Little did I know that HR never has a regular schedule, but that's for another podcast. So so I actually then um, researched HR, talked to a lot of people in the industry, and um, then uh, started a a job search in that area. And, And the rest is history. I was hired on as an HR administrative assistant, if you can believe it. 20 years later, here I am talking with you guys. That's how it worked. Uh, I think it's one of those things where I think if you're ambitious and intentional about things, it's amazing how doors will open to you for sure. And then what led to the move to exit Daxco and, and kind of go leave that corporate life behind? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's a, a great question. I will tell you, I, uh, after 20 years of successive HR roles, the real deal is I was burned out. I was burned out. It's been about three years since... I left that corporate VP job. Frankly, after I left, I didn't realize exactly how burned out I was until several months after I'd left. And you know what? I think after seven or eight years at a place, you you kind of hit a plateau 
I think a lot of times people now, I mean, seven years in one place is actually a pretty long time. So at that point, I was ready to go. And frankly, they were ready for me to leave. So I think it was just that perfect timing to say, hey, it's time to switch gears uh, and then go from there. Uh, and then again, the, the, it, it's been really interesting for all of you who have been in corporate HR and then decide, hey, I really do need a break or I need to try something different or I need to pivot. And for everybody out there, just take a drink every time you hear the word pivot, okay? Pivot or synergy, just go ahead and sip your drink. I think that it's really uh, important that you always take an assessment of your health, your wellness, your passion for what you're doing. And sometimes if it's time to leave, have the courage and go ahead and leave. So that's just a little, just a a little taste, a little teaser of of why I left and what I'm going to start seeing more in the future, for sure, as far as my consultancy is concerned. I really like your little bit there, um, you know, have the courage, you know, have the courage to, to leave if you need to or take the take the next step. I think we struggle with that a lot as as humans, but maybe even in HR, we struggle with that of being willing to take that next step or being willing to give someone that hand up so that they can take that next step. So I really like that. I think that's really important because I was somebody who with with every job that I've had, I usually stayed just a little too long. You know, I, I stayed just a little bit too long where you start to feel a little bit that you're not controlling your own destiny, you know, or uh, you start to get to that point where I always would stay maybe a year or two too long. And it was because I didn't have the courage to actually make a, a leap when I my gut was telling me it was time to go. So I think that's just a little bit of my thoughts, like in retrospect, uh, about any career you're at, but particularly in HR, because with an HR, we're spending so much time taking care of others that we usually do ne- chronically neg- neglect ourselves and our own well-being. And we re- neglect to really um, do some self-analysis of whether we're really enjoying the work at the time. I think it is really important. I think it is really important, particularly as business pace speeds up every year, year after year after year. Oh, I just I just love that. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, I, I think there's several jobs I could look back at and like, yeah, two years too long. <laughs> yeah, just two years too long. Yeah. You know, no harm, no foul. You know, right, exactly. um, what about you, John? What, what jobs haven't you quit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I know. I, well, no, I stayed with my last employer. I was there for a dozen years and mm-hmm. I certainly got very insulated because it was a place that I thought, oh, I'm going to retire from here. And and I didn't. Things right. have certainly and I, you know, for I think for the infinitely better, I didn't take a chance or I certainly was not meeting people like you and Wendy and getting to know people in the industry because I was so insulated in a HR department of 150. I just didn't. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It happens easily, for sure. It, it does. Don, I know you spent a lot of your career in recruiting in the talent acquisition area, which is my favorite area of HR. Love it. I'm so happy to be back in it. And recently, you have joined Recruiting Toolbox. So, using, yes, I have. That's exciting. So, using your expertise in talent acquisition, what is one thing most everyone gets wrong? And what advice would you share to help recruiters get better at what they do? To me, there is one 
thing that people get wrong that rises to the top of my list every time. The biggest thing that talent acquisition pros get wrong is they think of their hiring managers as their customers. The hiring managers are not a recruiter's customer. You are not working for the hiring manager. You're working for the company, not the hiring manager. If you automatically say, hey, you know, and I know in HR, a lot of times, again, years ago, and, and even now, a lot of the times you'll say, well, our customers are, in, are the internal employees. But whether you're an HR or talent acquisition, I think that's a horrible mindset. I get where it comes from. It comes from we want to, you know, we want to make sure people are happy and we're giving them good service. However, what happens when talent acquisition pros consider their hiring managers or any of the hiring stakeholders or customers, what it does is it automatically puts the recruiter kind of in this submissive mindset. You know, they're, they're already, you're already just thinking of yourself not as a partner, not as a subject matter expert, but hey, you know, I, I want to please the customer. And a lot of the times when we say, hey, you're my customer, we also then subliminally say, oh, and the customer's always right. You know what I'm saying, guys? I mean, do you, isn't that something yeah. you guys sometimes feel too? Yeah. Um, and, and so when, you're, when your hiring manager comes to you after you've already given them five candidates that they could hire today, and they say, hey, these are great, but I just, I just want to compare and see maybe three or four or seven <laughs> or 10 or 20 more. You know, and we all go, well, well, but we do it. We don't then stop it. We, we don't position ourselves as a talent advisor. Instead, we go, well, they're the customer. Yeah, right. okay. Right. Again, I, I just think it's a it's a mindset shift that we have have to do, and it's not easy. So I don't say that to insult people's intelligence. Shifting that mindset to, hey, you're not my customer. We're partners, um, and I'm gonna have the courage to tell you when you're wrong, and you should have the trust and courage to tell me when you think I'm wrong. Once you fix that mindset, I, it's so much better for you. It's better for your hiring manager, and it it gets you better results, I believe, in the end. So. That's the number one thing, thinking that the, your, everybody you work for is your customer. I, I really like that, you know, because the other thing that you don't do when you have a customer is you don't push back. And so we don't, mm -hmm. have, you know, we don't have expectations on our customers. And when it comes to, you know, recruiting and filling positions, you need to have some expectations set and you can't just let your hiring managers run that process. So I, I like that a lot. I, I like that framing. And, you know, you don't come at a hiring manager at a place of like, they're always wrong or they're stupid right. or I'm the boss. No, 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 no. But there has to be a sense of camaraderie and trust that is built through mutual respect. And, you know, again, I said I was in retail management for many years where in that case, honestly, the customer was always right. And, you know, at, at, there was a certain point where you could only give so much pushback to where, you know, if they yelled loudly enough, you usually did have to, you know, concede to some degree. I don't necessarily think that is an apples to apples comparison for how you should treat your quote unquote customers in a corporate in the corporate world, particularly in a, in a talent acquisition role. For sure. Don, you've been blogging for some time. So you know, talk a little bit about how you got started writing about HR and how have you seen your own style evolve and then HR blogging in general over the time you've been part of that community? I've been blogging for about 10 years and and. How I got started, I think it was just like, you know, kismet or, you know, serendipity or something, because I met a gentleman here in the HR capital of the world, which is, of course, Birmingham, Alabama. Of course, um, that's where all the HR pros are hanging out. Don't y'all know it? There are quite a few that we know down there. Absolutely. 
<laughs> right, exactly. There's New York, L.A., Birmingham, Alabama. I met a gentleman here named Chris Dunn, uh, who I'm not sure if he's been a guest on your show or not. He should be. You know that. Um, Christopher Dunn, he has a blog called Fistful of Talent that has a multi-contributor blog. And about 10 years ago, we were serving on some similar HR boards here. Actually, it was the local Sherm chapter board. And he was like, hey, um, you really should write submit me a sample. I'd love to check it out. And I did. And I've now been a contributor there ever since. And and that was really how I got into it. I was very lucky because Chris Dunn, if, if people um, are new to reading HR blogs, if you're HR pro out there, you really should start with Chris Dunn, Fistful of Talent. You should start with Chris Dunn's blog called The HR Capitalist. And I could name several others, but he was one of the first ones to actually go out there and really get some Gets, make some waves and get some juice, a lot of readers. He was one of the first people to, to really jump into that HR blogging space. So that was just lucky for me that we happened to be in the same city and in the same circles. So uh, that's how I got started blogging. Now, how have I evolved in the last 10 years? Probably not that much, frankly. You know the truth. I never have considered myself a writer by trade. I was never a trained writer, those sorts of things. So really, when I write, my style is really kind of my slice of life in the professional world. I try to look at myself more as a reporter of things going on, of what I've endured, of what I've seen, of what I've experienced as an HR leader or a talent acquisition leader. I've never been really a thought leader. You know, you do have people out there in the sphere who you guys have likely interviewed who really, they're, they're like four steps ahead of what's happening. You know, I'm like a step or two ahead. Mine's more like a kind of a reporting. Also, here's how these sorts of things have impacted me. So that's really been my style then, and that's what my style is now. But I think as I continue to write, my interests have cha- changed a little bit. One of the things that I certainly feel very passionate about is, is me being very authentic when I write. Now that I don't work for a, a corporation, I think I can be a little less reserved in some of my writing. So that'd be one thing. But one of the other things that I, I really want to spend some significant time on my blog talking about really is on wellness in the workplace. Because what I am seeing when I speak across the country, when I talk to HR pros behind closed doors, I'm a part of a mentoring program where I'm mentoring some some up and coming HR folks. There's this constant thread of exhaustion, not enough time, can't prioritize. Some days I just want to quit. And and to me, this has become a chronic issue in the workplace. And since it's something that I have endured as well, I'm going to start writing a lot more about that, about mental health, mental health wellness in the workplace and how we can all help each other, hopefully maybe change the dynamics of the current work culture, which is just just cranking people in and out. It's just chewing people up and spitting them out. And and I think we can do better. So in addition to blogging, we know you do a lot of speaking. Where are we going to see you in 2020? And uh, what topics are you going to be covering? Yeah, well, in 2020, um, the main things that I'm going to be doing is, of course, work human. There, I'm going to be talking a little bit about this concept that I call hiring culture, which is one of the things I really talk about because I've, I've been fortunate to work for companies that were a bit forward thinking for the time as far as creating engaging cultures for employees. So I'm going to talk about this concept of hiring culture at WorkHuman and how you can talent acquisition pros, they can get a, a better understanding of their hiring culture within their stakeholders so you can engage candidates better. It's really about how do you align your 
anybody who's interviewing for a, part of an interview decision-making process, how can you align them better? Recruiting isn't hard, but aligning those people together is difficult. So if you can understand what are the things that those stakeholders, your recruiters, your hiring managers, and your C-suite, what they value, then you can probably get aligned and making which will make your process better. So there's one. The other place I'm going to be speaking is called the Momentum Women's Conference. It's a huge Momentum is a, a, a leadership organization for women, and they have a conference every other year. It's a well-attended, a pretty popular conference down in my neck of the woods. And there I'm going to be talking about a wellness topic. I'm, I'm going to be talking about lessons I learned from going through burnout and how do you kind of come out of burnout and rediscover purposeful work from that. So again, I'm, I'm really putting my money where my mouth is on this whole concept of wellness for sure. Work human and momentum right now. And I've got others that will be coming up to be announced later. Can't wait to hear about them and uh, can't wait to see you at Work Human. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's going to be good. Work Human always is. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Bonusly. Bonusly is a fun, personal recognition and rewards program that enriches company culture and improves employee engagement. Used by thousands of companies, Bonusly is a top-rated solution that integrates with popular collaboration tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams, as well as HR software, including ADP, Bamboo HR, and Namely. To learn more about employee recognition and to try Bonusly free for 60 days, go to bonus.ly slash hrsocialhour. Again, to get that 60-day trial, go to bonus.ly slash hrsocialhour. Thanks again to our friends at Bonusly, and now back to the show. All right, and we are back. Dawn, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half-hour question connection. So, who was your first professional mentor, and what was the most important or impactful thing you learned from them? My first professional mentor was a lady named Fran Bostick here in Birmingham, Alabama. She was uh, director of HR at the company I was working for. She really laid the foundation for me as far as how to navigate politics in the workplace. She helped me understand the real importance of, of leadership, how to be a better leader, how to be an engaging leader. But the thing she taught me the most was, um, I'll never forget this, and she's still a very good friend of mine now. Um, she pulled me in her office one day and, and she told me, she said, Dawn, one thing I've just got to tell you is that when some of the people you're interacting with here in the workplace who you're advising, you're giving them advice, certainly that on, on topics that you're 100% right on. But the fact is, is you're pissing people off. So guess what? They're not listening to you. Because even if you're right, you got to find a way to influence them in a, in a way where they feel like they're a partner, where you, you, you know, you're not, frankly, doing things that will make them angry. At that time, because I was very young in my career, it was a very difficult thing to hear, but it was something that was very important, a very important lesson. So that, that, that really was my first professional mentor. And then I, you got to indulge me in another one. Certainly another mentor to me has been Chris Dunn, and he is one of my very best friends. Um, he would consider us peers, but in the, which is true, but he really did teach me the importance of advocacy, loyalty, innovation. Uh, so I've learned an immense amount from him as well. Dawn, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? All right. So I've joined Recruiting Toolbox. 
And a lot of people already know that the founder of Recruiting Toolbox is John Vlastalika. So, you know, look him up. And Carmen Hudson, she's another person that's really been in this kind of speaker circuit, social media circuit. And then Ben Godkin, he also has been in the social media circuit and in the speaker circuit. However, there's two people who I've met because I already knew those three. But there's two people who I met from Recruiting Toolbox who are incredible. One person's name is Paul Bunda. B-U-N-D-A. He, uh, again, had a, a long background in talent acquisition. He now works as a trainer and a consultant for Recruiting Toolbox. He's an amazing person. you got to check him out. The other person is Matt Grove, spelled like you would think, G-R-O-V-E. Another top-notch person, smart, extremely uh, knowledgeable. And both of these guys are people that love to share knowledge. So Paul Bunda and Matt Grove are two people everybody should connect with now. So if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? Well, I couldn't stop at one piece, but, but I think what I would tell myself is, first of all, quit overthinking everything. You're overthinking and it's keeping you from really doing your best work. So stop overthinking every little thing, which I think then also piggybacks on and have more confidence. Now, a lot of people, when they meet me, they, 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 they're like, you're confident and you're this. Well, sometimes I'm just faking it till I make it. I think in my career, when I've looked back, y'all, is I've, 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 I always have been somebody who likes to learn. But when I've started jobs and particularly as I got in higher leadership roles, I still took this concept of being in continuous learning mode a little too far, as opposed to feeling really confident to get out there and state an opinion. I was still navigating the, well, I'm still trying to learn from the CEO and, and maybe I should just wait a little bit longer before I really speak my mind. So, so I would say know when it's time to learn and know when it's time for you to have the confidence to strike out on your own. Another thing that I would tell myself as a young professional is quit saying I'm sorry too much. And this is a problem with women. A lot of women, they just say I'm sorry all the time. So get out of that habit. And then last but not least, don't compare yourself to others. I think it's great to have people who you uh, respect and follow and learn from and at some point emulate. But you can't compare yourself to anybody else because you just certainly will never be like that person. Everything that you're going to do for yourself is enough. So don't compare yourself to others. Don, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Well, things like this, taking time to um, share knowledge, share with people what I've done, what I've done well, what I've done poorly. And frankly, anytime I do something like this, John, um, frankly, I get a lot back from people who are listening. Or when I speak, you know, I, I try to have real interactive sessions. The information that I get from the audience or the attendees teaches me much more than I would ever give them, uh, teach them. So, you know, the speaking, writing, uh, mentoring, those are the types of things that I like doing for the community. And we love that you do them. What's your favorite movie? Okay. This is a hard one, but I've narrowed it down to two. You guys know, I can't just give you one, please. <laughs> Come on. You know, I can't give you one. So my favorite movie, um, is West Side Story. It impacted me so much when I was little. Um, well, little. Oh, my God. I wasn't really little. I was like in, I don't know, junior high or late junior high, something like that. West Side Story. Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, great music, incredible story. It's based on Romeo and Juliet. And I'm like the one person who didn't see the ending coming. So I'll leave that to y'all. So I was just like a sobbing mess. Um, the other movie, though, that I love that I always go back to is Get Him to the Greek. Judd Apatow vehicle. 
It has Russell Brand and Jonah Hill and Puff Daddy or whatever Puffy's calling himself now and Elizabeth Moss. It is hilarious. Anytime I'm flipping through the channels and Get Me to the Greek is on, it catches me and all of a sudden the next whatever two hours is just gone. Get him to the Greek. There you go. Dawn, I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to asking you this question. How about your favorite musician or band? <laughs> okay, so my first true love for a band was the iconic seminal 80s band Duran Duran. All right, that was my first true love. Still love them, and I defy anybody who will tell me they're not a good band. They are a great band. Their music is phenomenal, and John Taylor is still easy on the eyes. So my husband knows that John Taylor, if he came like right down the street, that I would be like hanging out with John Taylor. All right, so that's my first love. My longtime love is the Beatles. Hands down, the Beatles, please. What's what more to say? The the there are two bands right now though who are my favorite that I can't stop listening to currently. One is Jason Isbell. And that can be Jason Isbell or Jason Isbell in the four hundred unit. The other is the Rack and Tours. Get out. Now, John, just so you know, I know me and you were in Nashville when we saw each other. And of course, you got a button from Third Man Records, which is Jack White's uh, label. I did. Listen, my friend, I went and saw the Tours at the Ryman like three months ago. Blew me away. It was insane. So Jason Isbell, Tours, there it is. Duran Duran, Beatles, Jason Isbell, the Tours. There you go. Oh, my goodness. What? How about a favorite uh, TV show? Okay, favorite TV show of all time is Breaking Bad. Completely Shakespearean. You see this in, oh, this character development that's crazy. You can't stop watching it. It is the best. But if you talk about what I watch like all the time, like every day, anything like Dateline, 2020, 48 <laughs> Hours, on the case with Paula Zahn, like my husband's really, he <laughs> several times he's like, should I be concerned that I'm watching this over and over? And I say, no, no need to be concerned. No need to be concerned. Yes, so Breaking heard. Bad and any Dateline is show. We just had this conversation with somebody else about questionable Sabrina. television viewing. Sabrina Baker, same yeah. story. I think her husband's a little afraid yeah. of some of her television choices and uh, yeah yeah is, is she plotting something is she watching to gain notes listen i always tell my husband my husband's an attorney and i always tell my husband honey i am pulling for them to catch the killer i'm not pulling for the other stuff so you just chill oh. and then see my husband though he will not watch them and he will not watch law and order because he's just like i can't watch it it has to do with the law. It's too much. I can't handle it. can't do it. I'm going to go in the back and watch. He watches like Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and calls it a yep. night. Oh, and fo Alabama football, of course. Alabama football. And Dawn, I know we had a chance to talk music a little bit when we were together. I am absolutely with you on Duran Duran. Sean Taylor may be easy on the eyes, but I think he's one of the most underrated bass players of that era. And still, I mean, I just don't think he gets any respect, which is a shame because they are a tremendous band. They're a tremendous band. All jokes aside, and he is a fantastic bass player. I mean, because he learned. I mean, he learned from like Niles Rogers, and you know, kind of even before pre Niles Rogers, like old school soul bass. And they're great songwriters. Yes. When you're not watching West Side Story or Get Him the Greek, you're not listening to all these different bands or watching Breaking Bad and and these Dateline style shows. What else do you like to do outside of work? Well, I like sing all the time. I sing a lot. 
Um, I do actually do some recordings with a, a friend of mine. I used to to actually do professional singing. Um, so me and my friend do a lot of virtual recording through GarageBand and these sorts of things. Um, but most of my singing is like in the car, in the shower, sing lyrics to people, you know, who just don't know who I am. Um, and the other thing I do is I do go to a lot of music shows. I think that's probably shocking you guys by now. Um, and the other thing that I do is like do whatever my cat wants me to do. I'm pretty much mind controlled <laughs> by my cat, Emma. So whatever she needs, I seem to do. She's like omnipotent. Um, she's clearly the alpha person in my life. So she just gives me a look and all of a sudden she's got like 14 temptations traits just sitting there for her. So that, those are the things I do. Well, and finally, Don, if you weren't in the human resources arena, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? The thing I'd love to do, and uh, this is not a sexist thing at all because I'm a woman and I think that this would be a great thing is I would love to be a trophy <laughs> wife. How about that? I love just, it. I just like. I'd be a trophy wife. I would sit around. I would dedicate time to like the Humane Society. Um, but you know what? As a trophy wife, though, I probably, uh, you guys think I'm kidding, but you know what? I'd go mow the grass. I would like take care of the house and stuff as a trophy wife. My husband tells me he wants to be a trophy husband. So we're kind of having a back and forth on this concept. Who should be the trophy wife and or husband? The other things, honestly, what I, I would have done is probably be a theater professor. Oh, probably high school or I always thought college, but the older I get, maybe high school, because high schoolers, I think, need a little more love and attention. Or I'd like own a coffee shop. Nice. Uh, That's what I do. That's what I do. Own a coffee shop. Just give people lattes all day long. I love it. That's easy. After HR, you're like, that's easy. I can do that. (laughs) Well, in that case, the customer's (laughs) always right. Did better. (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) Nice. But you know what? I would use my powers of influence to convince them that they should try my special of the day. But yeah, you're right. Hey. Dawn, I have to say, I don't think anybody has said they'd be a trophy spouse. So kudos no. to you on that. <laughs> uh, and all, and I, I'm not sure we've had theater teacher or coffee shop owner either. As we, yeah. as we always say, we're glad that you're not doing those things because if you were, we probably would not have had this opportunity to talk to you and to spend some time together again. I, I so much appreciate what you've done for the community. I, I just love your energy and enthusiasm. And uh, there are some amazing Alabama HR people, and, and you are certainly among that group. And we're really glad to have this Thank time you. with you. I'm sure there may be some listeners that didn't know you before now that are going to want to get in touch. What's the best way for them to reach you out there via social media? Um, I'm on all social platforms, certainly LinkedIn, Dawn Burke. Um, I'm on Facebook, Dawn Herdlicka Burke. I'm on Twitter at Dawn. Oh, what is my Twitter? Dawn H. Burke. Um, (laughs) D.H. Burke. Right. Okay. There's so many D's and H's and Burke's and all my stuff. So at uh, D.H. Burke and on Instagram, it's at D.H. Burke as well. One of the things, if you you go to LinkedIn and there's 14 Dawn Burke's, Dawn Herdlicka Burke, I have my maiden name up in there too, will put me to the top of the list. So let me spell out Herdlicka because it is f***ed up. All right, you can bleep that. I know, but it's f***ed up name. It's H, R as in Roger, D as in David, L as in Larry, I as in Ivy, C as in Cat, A as in Apple. There are no vowels in that f- at least for the first half of it, but that'll get you to the top. 
We will have that in the show notes. Bleep's not included. <laughs> Wendy, okay. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? Best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, for Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find me on Twitter as part of our monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, want to thank Bonusly for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to find me, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com, top left-hand side of the screen, open up the three little lines. All my contact information is there. I keep bringing this up at the end of the show, which is probably not the best place to put it. But if you are a booking agent, do not contact me at my day job. It is not getting you anywhere. And it just really upsets me. My boss doesn't appreciate it, and I don't either. Anyhow, go to the website, download shows, listen, rate, review, share anything you can do to help boost the signal. And maybe those <laughs> booking agents will find them there too. We really appreciate. So Dawn, it has been just, again, an absolute joy to be with you this evening. <laughs> and so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 